Hallelujah. It is honestly my highlight of the week. And, you know, just seeing, you know, God's people come together. I've done, I've been at church all my life, right? From a young boy, you know, my parents took me to church. And, you know, there was moments there when I was a teenager that, you know, I would question my dad's strictness and be like, why can't I play sport on Sunday? And, you know, different seasons of our life, I thought like, it's, you know, am I coming to church because of him or am I coming to church because I've got my own genuine faith? But I'll tell you something, there was a moment that I found Jesus for myself and, you know, realized that I can have an intimate relationship with him. I can, and it's not through my parents, but it's through my own walk with the Lord. And when I found that walk with the Lord, I'll tell you something, I've never looked back. And being, you know, coming on a Sunday uh, to church, there again, there's been seasons where I was busy, like crazy busy. I'm talking like I could barely scratch my head that busy, you know, doing a uni degree, running a family, working a job. But you know what? I always came to church because I always believe that is a place where I get to hear from God. You know, the man of God, the woman of God, whoever brings the word, there's an opportunity for me to, to hear something that God wants to say. And I just believe, church, that you are in the right place and it is a place where God speaks. And you know what? It adds to your life. You know, your Bible reading is second to none. Your prayer life is second to none. But being with the body of Christ, being edified, being built up, being encouraged, can I just say, is so important. And the fact that you prioritize to be here, it just, it, it really is an honoring thing for Joe and myself. And, and we love the fact that you're here and that you would show up. And let me bring the word this morning. I'm excited about it. Um, I believe there are some online audience. So welcome this morning to our online audience who cannot make it um, physically. I really believe that God has a word for all of us this morning. Um, let me just pray before I get into it. Lord, I thank you that you are here, Lord. You are, that your presence is tangible, Lord God. Your presence, it brings ease to all of us, Lord God. We don't have to, we don't have to be condemned or worried or fearful. When we truly embrace the love of God and truly come into his, your presence, when we switch off that mind that races and we just enter into your presence, Lord, I know, Lord God, just like that song says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Your, your presence is rich. It is here. And I thank you that you're going to speak this morning. I have faith that the word, Lord, has, it does its purpose. It does what it needs to do, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Church, I just want to continue preaching our series to discover what our core values. And, of course, our values lay the foundation, right, of what in church Canberra cares about most what do we care about most right it provides a common purpose right that each member can understand work towards and live by all on the same page we can all together move forward understanding what is the most important things that we value in this church the values i'm sharing are better described as the five essentials or maybe the five non-negotiables or the five immovables, right? 
They are absolutely the most important elements, I believe, of our faith. In fact, last week, anyone who was here last week would have remembered, I named our values, and I actually didn't name them. I have a confession to make, right? The hills we died on. Okay, so just to give the credit where the credit is due, uh, the hills we die on is actually a sermon that my father-in-law preached, and it captured my heart because for me it wasn't about the values of in church Sydney. No, no, it was about the values that we have as Christians. Doesn't matter if we're here, if we're down the road at the other church. Doesn't matter if we're overseas in the church. I believe the values that he preached on at that time were values that as born-again Christians, we can hold near and dear to our hearts. So for me, right, when he when I heard him preach this sermon, the hills we can die on, I was like, hey, that's captured my spirit. But credit goes to my father-in-law here. And I want to make sure I say that because last week I was like, you know, pretending that I came up with all these good thoughts. And, and I was like, I, I confessed it to him this week. I said, I'm sorry, I just didn't mean it. I forgot. He goes, it's all good, Dave. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to say it. But I feel like I should anyway. All right, but down, church, down through the centuries, right, military commanders have prized the high ground, okay? Take it and you could gain control of the battle. That gives you that vantage point. Military, military commanders have weighed the cost of taking and holding a given hill and knew the ones that, if necessary, they would even die on, okay? We're not giving an inch. This hill is worth dying for. I must stay here no matter what. So what are the hills we die on as followers of Christ? Okay, so the first hill I spoke on was mission and discipleship. Mission and discipleship. Making his last command. Our first priority, going to all the world, which is what Phil is doing, and make disciples, okay? And sometimes, as we've preached in the past, making disciples is a process. Sometimes we are responsible for planting a seed. Somebody else will water that seed. But we believe that in, in God's timing, right, somebody will come to know him. And eventually, they will not just come to know him but they will become disciples of him. That is our first value that we spoke about. We can do this church by reaching Canberra as well as the rest of the world through our missions giving. And I, I'm so grateful that we can be a part of a church, that we are part of something that goes beyond here. If you look around the room, you know, there's a lot of empty seats, right? And you're thinking, my impact, right? It's, it's, it goes further than here, church. It goes to the world, okay? There are people that you don't even know their name, and yet they're being blessed, right, by having their needs met, as well as the gospel being preached to them. So hallelujah that we can have mission and discipleship, not just here, but the rest of the world. Jesus himself taught us to broaden, broaden your scope, broaden your vision. Make it wider than just the one little spot. Jesus was always in high demand. We know, we read it in the New Testament. People wanted him here. People wanted him there. Asking, can you come and see my daughter? Can you come and heal my servant? So on and so forth. 
But Jesus kept his focus on the mission, no matter what. And he would say, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. So it's not just Canberra, but there's other places that the gospel needs to go out. And hallelujah, we can do that as a part of what we do in this church. Lord, let us reach Canberra and the rest of the hill, uh, the rest of the world. That is a hill that we die on. Okay. The second hill that I, I preached on, which was last week, was the hill of prayer. The hill of prayer. Prayer declares my utter dependency upon God, doesn't it? It takes your situation and you say, God, and I don't know about you, church, but I know for myself and Joe, there are things in our life at the moment that we are utterly dependent on God to move. It's beyond me, you know. I wish I could intervene. I wish I could come up with solutions, but I can't. And so I'm, we're giving it to God in prayer. We're going, God, we are declaring our utter dependency upon you. We cannot go any further or do anything more. You need to intervene. Prayer reminds us that he is so big and that I am so little and that I need him so much. I need him so much. God, I need you. That's what prayer declares in your life. The New Living Translation says um, from John, I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do, you are powerless. You can do nothing without me. The value of the vine to the branch is the value of prayer to the church. Amen. We value church, esteem, and hold dear prayer. It isn't, it isn't something minor. It is actually essential. It's a non-negotiable. It is a hill we die on. Okay? So first one was mission discipleship. Prayer is the second one. Now, there's a saying that I have, my brothers and I had, hold on to your socks. Okay? So when we were about to deliver some information that we thought was exciting, we go, are you holding on to your socks? So I'm holding on to my socks because I want to deliver to you the third hill that we've done. And I believe this is a powerful hill that, you know, is going to be, again, another game changer, something that we all need to hear. So I'm holding on to my socks right now. The third hill is the word. The word, Okay. Let me tell you something. The word is not just a book. It's not just a, you know, a few pages from Genesis to Revelation. No, no, no. The word is eternal. It's, a li it's the living word. The word of God, church, it is timeless. God's word transcends time. Its importance and relevance is for every generation. I don't care what we hear on the media, you know, that, 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 that we're changing the way we think and, you know, uh, some, of the, some of the things that we believe, oh, they are old-fashioned, old-school, not relevant anymore. That is not the case. The Word of God, it transcends time. Its importance and relevance is for every generation. The Word of God was at the very, very, very beginning. Okay, the word of God 
was at the beginning. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the very beginning, God's Word was there. And God's Word will be at the very end. Okay? At the beginning and at the end. Matthew 23 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. At the beginning and at the end. God's word is eternal. It is eternal. Peter, who lived with and died for Jesus, said this. You have been born again. Your new life will last forever. Thank you, Jesus. Because it comes from the eternal, living, living word of God. It is the eternal, living word. So the first point of this hill that we die on regarding the word of God is that it was at the beginning. It will be at the end. It is eternal. Eternal living word of God is a hill we die on. But let me talk a little bit more about the word of God and just how important it is. Number two, the word, church, is truth. The word is truth. John 1.14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we, behold his, we beheld sorry, his glory, the glory of the holy begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. We don't have to be confused, right, about what is truth? What is truth? You can define truth. We have it written. The word of God, he is truth. God's word is the truth. Jesus prayed this prayer in John 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word is truth. Did you know, church, that that is what God wants us to be? Sanctify. Actually, that word, by the way, sanctify, it actually means set apart. It means consecrated. It means separated. And I'll ask you again, did you know that that is what God wants us to be? He wants us, church, as his family, to be consecrated and to be separated in our life, in our thoughts, right? In the way we raise our kids, in every area, every area of our life, he wants us to be consecrated and separated. Now, this point is actually a nice segue into my next point. So the first one was he is the beginning, the word. He will be at the end. He is the eternal living word, number one. Number two, the word is truth. Number three is his word conforms me to his image. His word conforms me to his image. God, his word shapes me and makes me more like Jesus. Romans 12.2 says this, 
and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. The New Living Translation says it this way, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm talking about the word conforms me to be his image. Think about Jesus, when he walked on this earth, his primary focus was to fulfill the will of the Father, even until the end. He's there, you know, about to be gone to the cross, and he's struggling with the will of God at that moment because he was going to suffer like no other. He was going to just sweat. He was sweating drops of blood. That's, that's how, that's the state that he was in. And yet, even in that place, his whole purpose was to fulfill the will of God. He said, your will, not mine. He submitted, surrendered his will to God. This scripture, Romans 12, 2, talks about, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You come like Jesus, and you come and you, you change the way the world wants you to think and you be transformed by the renewing of your mind through God's word. And you ask God, God, how do you want me to conduct myself? How do you want me to live? Lord, I'm in submission to you. The question is, am I conformed by the world? Or am I transformed by the word? That's something to think about for myself, for everyone here. Am I Conformed by the world, or am I transformed by the word? Church, can I just say this is a daily pursuit that becomes a lifelong pursuit, doesn't it? You're always waking up, and during your day, you confront the flesh and the desires of the flesh and the impulses of the flesh, and then you're reminded by the Holy Spirit the desires of the Spirit. And they're contrary to each other. There's a clash there. But God wants us to be conformed to be his image, to his image. And we do that by being transformed, by renewing our mind, coming back to Jesus and saying, God, what does your word say? Where am I, where am I positioned right now in all this? It's a daily pursuit. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why the world doesn't like the word of God because it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, the word of God shines light on people's simple state and it reveals the intents and the desires of a simple man, a simple woman. And it's quite quite confronting, right? I love this passage that I just read because it reveals that the word of God goes deep, church. It goes deep. My good friend, actually, John Ireland, I'll, I'll, I'll mention his name. 
also says this. John, shout out to you. The word of God is like a mirror, right? It identifies the truth about us. Have you ever read your Bible? And when you're reading your Bible, you're thinking about others that really need to hear this scripture. Anybody apart from me? Like, oh, <coughs> my wife is she's perfection. But you're thinking in your head, oh, that verse is so relevant for that person. But when we stop and go, hang on a second, it's like a mirror. What's the Holy Spirit revealing? Right? It goes deep. The, the word goes deep. What is it revealing about where I'm at, who I am? What are my priorities? The word it convicts us and challenges us, challenges us on wrong attitudes, behaviors, habits, priorities. It identifies where God wants us to realign our life to be conformed to his image. Amen. Church, as you, as I, as we, as we yield ourselves to the truth of God's word, we become more like Jesus. And it is a process. And it doesn't happen overnight. And I reckon we'll continue to become more and more like Jesus until we leave this earth, still trying to become more and more like Jesus. But thank God that the word directs us, molds us, shapes us, helps us, gives us clarity on what it looks like to be conformed to his image. So the first one was, he is the beginning, he is the end, he is the eternal living word. The second one, the word is truth. The third one is, the word conforms me to his image. And the last but not least, not least point of the word is, it is our true north. Okay? It is our true north. Now, I don't have a compass here with me, and I'm not too good at reading a compass, if I'm honest. I did a little bit of navigation stuff in uni, and I think I remember taking the group way off track, and I was confident in my navigating skills. And, and then, you know, before I know it, I was in, within the shrubs going northeast. North. Anyway, so I love the compass though, because it reminds us of North, south, east, west. Let me tell you about the word. The word is your true north, right? Not current trends or pop culture or political correctness. None of that, none of that is our true north. His word is our true north. All of these things, culture, political correctness, trends, they will all pass away. They will. And they change. They constantly change. But his word, his word remains for what, church? Forever. His word remains forever. John 6.63 says this. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. They not were life. They are life. Are life. Not past tense. Right now. 
The words are spirit and they are life. The creator is speaking, church. I ought to listen. His words, his words are life. Thank you, Jesus. As a Christian, we have a compass. We have a compass. God's word navigates our life. And can I just say something that I think may encourage a member or two or somebody online? Even when you go off grid, have you ever actually question? Have you ever been, have you ever had a GPS, right? And you put your directions in and it takes you off grid. It doesn't even know where it's going. Have you ever had that situation? I remember Joe and I once we were like going to a church, apparently. We ended up at the big at some country town. And it was, a, it was at a farm, and there was animals. And I'm like, I can't see the church anywhere. GPS, where, what, are you, what are you doing? But the point is, what I'm trying to say is, even when you feel like inside of you, you're in a place that you're off grid, the GPS can't even read it. Can I encourage you with this scripture, and I believe this is powerful. In that night season, in that darkness, the Bible says this, the word is a lamp onto my feet, and it is a light onto my path. Even when you're off grid, even when times are tough, his word continues to navigate you. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. In every season, we can be directed by God's word. And I'm going to finish with this slide. Um, I'm going to read this passage, and Jesus sums it up so beautifully. Everything that I've been trying to preach about a hill that we die on being the word, this passage highlights that and says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this is Jesus speaking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended. Yes, it did. And the floods came. Absolutely. And the winds blew and beat on that house. Have you ever felt like in life, the winds are beating on your house, so to speak. Seasons of life that we go through. The winds are beating on your house, on your family, on your work, on your occupation, on your mental state. The, way, the, the wind is beating upon it. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. What an encouragement, right? The rock of hearing and doing the sayings of Jesus. It's not a suggestion. It's life. His words that he speaks. Uh, I read this a moment ago. They are life. And he's saying, if you don't just observe my sayings, don't just observe them, but if you do them, when adversity strikes, no matter how hardcore it is, you will remain standing. Glory to God. But it says this, but everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended. Yes, it did. Again, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Jesus, like, it, as plain as anything, explains the importance of his words and of the word. Not, not, not making a clever suggestion, giving us 
an instruction for life. So let me sum up, church, before Joe comes and just closes us up today. The word church is living and eternal. God's word transcends time. It all, it's always relevant. Don't listen to anything you hear about, oh, it's outdated, it's this, it's that. No, no, the word of God transcends time. It was at the beginning. It will be at the end. It is the living, eternal word. God's word is truth. Don't be confused. You want to understand what truth is? Look to your to the word of God and ask the word of God, what is the truth? You will find it. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that. The word conforms me to be to his image, making me more like Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you're doing that within our church. You're doing it within every individual today. Lord, and I let nobody, Lord God, let nobody be condemned or, Lord God, sidetracked by their own thought process to believe somehow, Lord God, that you have left their side. Let people right now understand, Lord God, that we are being conformed by the miracle of what you started in us. You will bring to completion in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. And his word is our true north directing us in every single season, even in the night season. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The eternal living word, church of God, is a hill we die on. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen.